Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God. In the last conversation we had on this subject, uh, we discussed heaven and hell and the idea of parallel dimensions. We pointed out the fact that modern science is uh, laced with a great many atheists and people who don't believe in God are actually describing exactly what the Bible describes as parallel dimensions and string theories. They're even, uh, I, I remember once when Hawkins was backed into a corner about uh, where did it all start, how did it all begin, how did life get established, because they're discovering how life is such a complex, clearly designed, intelligent designed creation, that he finally said that, well, life on Earth probably was started by extraterrestrials. And that was quite a leap in, uh, uh, and quite an admission on his behalf. And of course, Jesus Christ could be called an extraterrestrial because he's not from this planet. Uh, we don't think of him as a little green man or he didn't get here necessarily in a flying saucer or any of those kinds of uh, modern terminology. But the reality is he's not from this world. He's not from this planet, but his kingdom was on this planet. And when he said, not of this world to Pontius Pilate, he was talking about the constitutional order or system of government of Pilate. It's something we've discussed many times before and we clearly define in articles and videos and, and uh, uh, audio tapes on our website. Uh, we'll just look up the idea of this world. Uh, look it up in the search engine on every web page at hisholychurch.org and you will find out that you have been misled. You have been deceived, which is a common theme throughout the Bible. And certainly one of the first themes of the Bible is the deception of mankind to think that he can figure things out in his head in his by eating of the tree of knowledge rather than by divine inspiration in the tree of life. This is, uh, this is also a common theme throughout the Bible, this idea of revelation. And Christ said he would build his church upon that revelation. So all the facts and the information and the quotes that I use are not meant to lead you. They're simply meant to rattle the bars of your own mental and spiritual cages to awaken you to the fact that you have returned to the bondage of Egypt, to the elements of the world, to, to these uh, ideas and philosophies that have brought you back into subjection. Not to God, not to the ways of God, but to the ways of false gods, men who would be gods over you. And you are not in the liberty of Christ. You actually don't really believe in Christ for the most part, at least you haven't up to this point. Hopefully, you will turn around and realize that you have been in error, that you have been deceived, that you have been misled, and that you have gone off in the wrong direction. And uh, so, we're going to look at a lot of different things in 
quotes in the Bible, and the idea is not to create another religion that you will blindly follow, but to awaken you to understand the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Moses, the gospel of Abraham, because they are all the same gospels. All religions, just about in the world, I, I couldn't really say all, but the vast majority of religions, Muslims, um, Hindus, Buddhists, if you, if you read the book, Thy Kingdom Come, you will see that they all go back to Abraham. And so once you find out what Abraham was actually doing, why he left Ur, why he left Haran, why he was called a Hebrew, why he was setting up these peculiar altars, and what those altars were actually made out of, and what they were actually doing, you will begin to see that, oh my gosh, oh my God, we have been deceived, we have been misled, and we have gone whoring in the wrong direction. And now, what do we do? Well, we repent. We turn around. We go back in another direction. And we go back in the direction of Christ. You will find yourself going back in the direction of Abraham. Going back in the direction of Moses. Not in the direction of the Pharisees or what we call Jews today. Or what we call Christians today. Because the Christians today have more in common with the Pharisees at the time of Christ. If they actually, many of the Christians or people who are calling themselves Christians today, were actually to understand the simplicity of what Christ was saying. What he meant when he said, you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. He said, it was not to be that way with you. But yet, that's how most Christians obtain their benefits today. They obtain them from benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. Men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. That's how you get your benefits. What are your benefits? Public education is your benefit. That's one of your benefits. You have public schools everywhere in every city of the United States, in Canada, in South America, in Australia. How are they supported? They are supported by your neighbors who have to pay in to a public coffer to build that school, to pay those teachers. You say, oh, but education is good. Yes, education is good. Learning is good. But not if you have to force your neighbor at the point of a gun to provide it. That is called coveting your neighbor's goods. In Exodus 20.17, it's talking about the laws of God Almighty. Laws that were recognized by Christ, listed by Christ, if you wanted to have eternal life. He said, you, thou knowest the commandments, keep them. What was the commandments? One of them was, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. You're not supposed to desire it. You're not supposed to, I'm not talking about stealing. I'm talking about desiring. You're not to even want it. 
but yet you do want it. You want a portion of it so that you can have free education, so that you can have a fire department down the road. We have a fire department here where I live, but it's, it's a volunteer fire department. It's paid for by volunteer contributions. Are, is that the kind of fire department you want? Do you want to love your neighbor or force your neighbor to buy you a new fire truck? It's legal to do that in the world that you have created. How did you create that world? The voice of the people elected a ruler who could exercise authority one over the other. They elected lots of these rulers. They call them congresses and parliaments and presidents and prime ministers. And they elect these men so that they, the, they will exercise authority over their neighbor and provide the benefits and security that they want. That's a direct violation of Exodus 20.17. It's in direct violation of what God has always wanted. You go back to Moses, go back to Samuel. And, and Samuel said it. That if you go this way, if you elect someone, he's going to take, and he's going to take, and he's going to take, and he's going to take. He tells you that in Samuel 8 and 10. What did you expect? What did you think was going to happen? In Samuel, 1 Samuel 8, 18, he finally finishes this description of what you have today in every one of these countries. He says, and ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, prime minister, president, which ye ha shall have chosen you, elected, you, the voice of the people. That's where he starts with, the voice of the people. Chose to have this ruler who could exercise authority. Your, your churches are telling you, go down and vote. Choose another one. Oh, that didn't work. Choose another one. Oh, that didn't work. Choose another one. I've watched it for decades and half a century. I have watched and watched and watched these elections. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So I ask you, how's that working out for you? Because it's not working. As far as I can see, you are on the brink of a precipice of destruction. You're, you're just... <clears throat> hanging there by an economic thread. Your children have grown up and they are selfish. Even when they want to give charity, they want to give charity that makes them feel good. Charity doesn't always make you feel good. Sometimes charity is hard. When Christ died on the cross, that was an act of charity. That was not easy. He didn't even want to do it. But he did it because he knew it was the will of God. Are you doing things because it's the will of God or are you doing them because you want it? Do you want to do the will of God or do you want to do your own thing? Yeah, the whole thing, Samuel 8, is quoted extensively in Common Sense. Back when Common Sense was written in the 1700s by Thomas Paine. But common sense is dead today in America. It's, it's dead today in the modern churches. They think they can cry out for a new leader 
who can exercise authority. Now, I know some of you are actually going down and deep in your hearts, you're voting for somebody that you hope will take less from your neighbor. That's good. That's a good sign. That's a kingdom track. That's a sign that deep down in your heart you want to turn around. But you've got to turn around and seek the whole righteousness of Christ. You have to start providing an education for your children. I know many of you are homeschoolers. Now, you may be homeschoolers for all kinds of reasons. Some of those reasons may not be good reasons. We were homeschoolers and we, we told people for years they, they thought we were homeschooling our children because they would get a better education. And they would. They thought we were homeschooling our children because we didn't agree with the religious philosophies that were often creeping into the modern public education. And of course that's true. But the reason I gave them for homeschooling our children and I would stay, stand there right in a crowd of people <laughs> in the middle of the street in the local town where the school was. I would even say this in the school. I don't send my kids to this school because I do not covet my neighbor's goods. And I will not force my neighbor to provide an education for my children at the point of a gun. I can tell you, you could hear a pin drop sometimes when I would tell them that. That the wheels turned, but they were rusty. <laughs> they didn't evidently turn enough because most of them continued to say. I remember once I was in a crowd of guys who were working on something, and, and I pointed out that 75% uh, of the people in this county give a, get a government check every month in their household. And they go, Really? They were just shocked. I said, Well, 50% of the people in the state of Oregon get a government check every month. 50% of the households get a government check every month. And they were said, that's terrible. And I says, you know, you guys, they were all just up in arms about this, outraged by this statistic. And I says, you know, when I look around, all the guys standing here, my household is the only household of the people standing here in this group that is not getting a government check every month. Because I knew that several of the wives of these hardworking men, decent men, close to Christian men in many ways, they were all getting government checks. Some of them actually got government checks. Some of them, their wives got government checks. But yeah, they had jobs. But those jobs are provided by benefactors. Men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. And Christ said it's not to be that way with you. But it was. And that's why Samuel said that they will take and take and take and take and take. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, president, or prime minister, which ye shall have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. He tells you. You have to repent. Don't tell me you believe in Jesus Christ and you are not repenting of this simple, common sense understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
You cannot have eternal life if you continue to covet your neighbor's goods so that you can have free education, free health care, free police service, free this and free that at the expense of your neighbor. So it really isn't free. And know this, you have more neighbors than there are you. So any democracy is going to lead you down that path of covetousness. Because your neighbors want more stuff than you. And if you think it's okay to take from your neighbor, then by your law, it's okay for your neighbor to take from you. Stop. Start taking back your responsibilities as a man of God. Stop following the whoring crowd. Start going the other way. Turn around. Repent. Come together in a quest for righteousness and a righteous sacrifice, a righteous Corban of free will offerings to take care of the needy of your society, the true needy of your society. And this is what we write about at His Holy Church. And we show you how you've been deceived. We show you where the lie creeped in to your religion. And where your religion became impure. And we don't tell you this to condemn you. We don't tell you this to humiliate you. We don't tell you this to put you down. We tell you this so that you can turn around. Stop! You're headed for a bridge that isn't there. You're headed for a precipice of destruction. You're headed for condemnation. Repent. Turn around. Let's go the other way. Let's go the way of Christ. The way of Moses. The way of Abraham. The way of the prophets. Let's go back that other way. That's what we need to do. That's where we need to go. In Jeremiah 5... Uh, especially verses 26 and 31. Somebody quoted that this morning when they sent me an email. I sent back a long email to our uh, personal contact ministers throughout the country and in Australia to pass on to their own groups. Um, and it was kind of a long post I sent to him, and I didn't want to waste it on one little small group that has included me in their postings. Uh, so I I sent it to our own groups, our own network, and hopefully some of them will send it out to others. I hope I didn't have a chance to reread it, so it may have a few typos in it, as usual. <laughs> but the Spirit is there. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that setteth snares. They set a trap. They catch men. Boy, I tell you, that kind of tells it right there. They set a trap. How do they do that? They do it with their systems of welfare. Paul tells you that. King David told you that. Through covetousness, they shall make you merchandise. Peter told you that. What should have been for their welfare has become a snare. Because you desired these benefits at your neighbor's expense, you have gone into bondage. You are again entangled in the elements of the world. We have articles on this. Elements of the world. Look it up. Elements of the kingdom. There's a search engine on every page. At the, you can read this. And you can learn. But it's not enough to seek the knowledge 
of our error. We must turn around and actually apply ourselves to doing what we have neglected. If we do not want God to neglect us, we must turn around and head back towards His ways. We are all prodigal sons. We are all sinners. We have all gone the wrong way. We are all under a strong delusion. And it is time for us to wake up and go back the other way. And that's what I'm asking you to do. That is what I'm praying that you will do. Is turn around and go the other way. And you're going to need help along that way. And the Lord will run out and meet you halfway. And you'll need that because you've, you've gone a long way from home. And the time is running out. Without a miracle, you will not persevere. You will not survive. But God is gracious for those who repent. If you do not forgive your neighbor what he you think he owes you, the money, the lifestyle, the benefits, you have to forgive your neighbor those the payment of those benefits. You have to set that neighbor free. You have to go the other way. If you do not go the other way, if you do not turn around, how can God forgive you? How can God do for you what you need? Because you're still feeding the swine in the foreign land, in a place where God's kingdom is not. Now, it's not geographic that we're talking about. We're talking about ways. Because the kingdom of heaven is not here. The kingdom of heaven is not there. The kingdom of heaven is where God prevails. And that's in your heart and your mind. If you want to go the other way, join us at HisHolyChurch.org. Join us on the Living Network. Join those other people that are beginning to seek. Now, everybody on that network is not really seeking what we're talking about. A lot of them have just joined an email group. That's okay, because most of what goes on of value is not in emails. It's in living connections made between living men and women who want to turn their lives around, who want to become true Christians, who want to go the other way. And that's the way that we all need to go. That's the way we all need to strive and seek. And so anyway, we're going to talk about a lot of that in the next part of the show. And we're going to continue our conversation on, on some of these things about the kingdom of heaven that most people are oblivious to. And again, the, I will sometimes be rattling those bars that have brought you back into bondage of Egypt, which is where you are today. Worse than it was in even Egypt. And I don't care what country you are in. From Santa Domingo to Australia to, obviously, China, Soviet Union, whatever's left of it. <laughs> and all these countries that are claiming their independence. But going deeper and deeper into the New World Order. And there are so many layers to it. There are so many bars. And you get to, you know, what do they say that when they are crossing the mountains... What did you find when you crossed the mountain? More mountains. <laughs> what do you see when you got rid of these bars that have imprisoned you in your spirit and in your being? More bars. 
<laughs> more cages, more layers. And in peeling this onion, there will be lots of tears. But there will be joy too. There will be happiness because you know, I have found the way. I know now where I must go. I am no longer a lost sheep. New life can now come into me. And I know that before I arrive home, my father will run out and meet me. We'll be back to Keys of the Kingdom. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Jefferson did not write, they are endowed by their constitutions with unalienable rights. Nor did Jefferson write, they are endowed by their elected lawmakers with unalienable rights. Jefferson did write that these truths are self-evident. Does that mean we have to go to school to learn these truths from a teacher? Does self-evident mean we have to read, study, and research these ideas in books written by other men. No, these truths are written on our conscience, on our hearts and minds, written on our souls by our Creator. These truths are maxims of His law. If unalienable rights are endowed, granted, or given by our Creator to each of us, does that mean that there is no free will choice, act, or deed that can bar us from access to these God-given unalienable rights? Is it a self-evident truth that we can freely choose to do anything and we will always maintain access to these natural law unalienable rights endowed by God? Isn't it a self-evident truth that the answers to these questions are no? Isn't it also a self-evident truth that in order to maintain access to the inalienable rights granted by God, that we must also maintain our God-given natural law responsibilities and duties in order to maintain our position or status in God's government or jurisdiction? Don't the governments of man require obedience to their laws in order to keep their civil rights? Why would it be any different for God? If we want to keep his inalienable rights, wouldn't we be expected to keep his laws, do his will by remaining obedient, loyal, and giving allegiance to him and his government? If an individual, family, community, or nation freely chooses by consent, participation, or appeal to create or join a different government that has its own structure and form, which creates its own civil laws, and grants its own civil rights to its members, persons, nationals, or citizens, 
Doesn't the act of joining, giving allegiance, obedience, trust, faith to this new government mean that they have rejected the Creator's government and rejected His laws? Doesn't it mean that the people have rejected God and His ways and, in essence, expatriating their natural status as a national in God's kingdom government in order to be naturalized into a new government created by men via consent, contracts, constitutions, participation, and appeal? Isn't this what happened to the Israelites when we read 1 Samuel chapter 8? So how does an individual, a family, a community, a nation once again get access to their God-given inalienable rights once they have lost them by their own free will choices, acts, and deeds? Repent. Turn around. Go the other way. God's way. Start taking back the responsibilities that are imposed on the nationals of God's kingdom government. Responsibilities do not follow rights. Rights follow responsibilities. The first step is to truly love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. If we want our God-given unalienable rights back, we must stop exercising dominion over our neighbors. Start keeping the commandments. Do not covet. Do not steal. Which includes the legalized covetousness and plunder that is mandatory in all man-made governments. Start by coming together in free will assemblies of individuals and families that are seeking to return to God's kingdom government. Families and individuals start by seeking, striving, and working to be the departments of health, education, welfare, economy, defense, agriculture, energy, and justice for other families in the free assembly, but also for other families of families near and far. The Creator is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. His kingdom was, is, and will be forever on earth as it is in heaven. Start by connecting and finding other kingdom-seeking families on the His Holy Church Living Network. Visit www.hisholychurch.org to start your journey back to your unalienable birthright. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're talking about the aspects of the kingdom of God that most people are unaware of. It's part of the gospel. It's part of the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to continue to explore this in ways that will often be iconoclastic. They will often clash with what you've been told. What you have thought was true. That's okay. If you if you hear something that you think, oh, that can't be true. Well, I understand that. But we we've thoroughly looked into this. We've thoroughly researched it. We thoroughly prayed about. It. We've spent a lifetime going over what was the activities of the early church, what was really going on in Moses's Israel. Not the Pharisees' Israel, 
but what Moses was really doing, what Abraham was really doing. And we've laid this out in step-by-step chronology, in books, in articles, on News with Views. We're now on other radio stations as well, you know, actual you know, ground-based radio stations, uh, five times a week. And we will try to explain all the details to you to help you through this labyrinth of lies that has imprisoned you. There is a way through it. And Christ has left that way. God has always provided His prophets to show you the way. But you have to go that way. You have to choose to turn around. You have to go this other way yourself. And I know we've had listeners that have listened to us for years and then suddenly they began to become more active and realize that they not only have a friend in Christ, but they have a friend in those who love Christ. And they will help them. And they will assist them. And they will sacrifice themselves for them. And they are now learning to sacrifice as well for one another. Because that is the nature of Christ in them. To sacrifice himself for love of others. When you have a nation of people that will do that, you have an invincible nation where people live by honor and righteousness, not by covetousness. If you cannot learn that lesson, you cannot enter into the kingdom because your faith is a lie. In Daniel 4.3, Daniel 4.3, we see how great are his signs. How mighty are His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And His dominion is from generation to generation. The kingdom of God is within you. It is within your family. If you will turn around, your whole family will be blessed. Because the family is the institution of God. And the world that has brought you into bondage will undermine that family. We just heard that in the news recently where somebody's going to hold their leaders to account. Your leaders are all rail bones. Your leaders uh, have whipped you with whips and the new leaders will whip you with scorpions. And I don't care who wins your elections in whatever country you're in. That is the direction you are going or you are going in the other direction. If you're going in the other direction, you are not looking to your leaders to solve the problem. You are becoming the solution by becoming diligent in the ways of Christ. They have a light that they show you and they say, come, follow us. But the light at the end of their tunnel is a freight train of destruction. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? He is a light bearer, but his light is dim compared to that of the Lord. Turn around, go the other way. You are born in darkness, but Christ was the light. And Christ said, the Corbin of the Pharisees made the word of God to none effect. And this is something we talk about, we have articles about, we have recordings about. The Corbin of the Pharisees makes the word of God to none effect. You see it every day in the news. The new progressivism, the new socialism moving away from the Corbin of Christ to the Corbin of the Pharisees in every aspect of your life. You have become so dependent upon it. 
turn around. Let's go the other way. The word translated heaven in the, that statement of uh, concerning Lucifer, fallen from heaven, uh, is written that it's not Shamayin in an article about Satan. He says it's uh, the normal word for heaven or sky in the Hebrew. Uh, he says it's the word male. But when I look it up, it's not. It's the word shamanin. <laughs> and the article is based on a false premise. And people are reading it. But nobody checks it out. Nobody actually looks it up. Nobody goes back to the original text. And a great deal of the information in the article is true. And we were quoting that in previous shows. But in examining it. Why did I go and check that? I thought that was peculiar. And I wondered where else would they use this word Ma'al? Because Ma'al is similar to Baal. But it has a mem on the beginning instead of a bit. So I thought I would look. Something drew me to look. And it's not true. What he says is not true. His premise is false. And I can make those mistakes as well. I want you to call me out if I if you find me making a mistake. We want to be challenged. We don't think we know it all. We are striving. We are seeking. And we want to seek with others. We want to go arm in arm, hand in hand, but we want to follow that revelation of Christ that each of us should have access to. Occasionally, we may have to lean on one another, but we do not want to make that our design. Each of us must stand alone before Christ and say, you know, this is what I have done. This is what I have sought. And he will say, come in, ye good and faithful servant. Even if you have failed here and there, he will forgive that but not if you do not forgive others. He tells you that. Christ tells you that. If you do not forgive, neither will my Father forgive you. If we go back to uh, Genesis, you know, and I was talking in the last show about what I believe. I believe everything in the universe has a corresponding spiritual existence. And you go back to Genesis 1, 1, and it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And as I said before, the photons that follow a pattern of DNA strands the deoxyribonucleic acid is a nucleic uh, you know, that is a what we call DNA is a nucleic acid containing you know the genetic instructions used in the development and functioning of all known living organisms at least on this planet within cells DNA is organized into a kind of a long structure called the chromosomes during cell division, these chromosomes are duplicated in a process of DNA replication. They divide and, and duplicate themselves from that division, providing each cell its own complete set of chromosomes, the instructions. And you started from one of those cells. 
formed in procreation into this one unit. There is a spiritual message in this physical reality. These ribonucleic acids, RNA is a nucleic acid uh, that uh, is one of those four uh, macromolecules such as lipids and uh, carbohydrates and proteins which are essential for all known forms of life. And they work together to form this DNA structure which is the template of the creation of a new human being or any creature. We're talking about 220 million base pairs of these nucleotides. 3 billion uh, base pairs of DNA arranged in 46 chromosomes. Billion. All this going on in every cell. Every cell. Way back in the 40s, there, there was a geneticist, uh, Barbara McClintock. I can remember that from the movie <laughs> with John Wayne. The name McClintock sticks in my head. I, I'm bad at names, but I can remember her name anyway. But uh, she thought that uh, the genetic uh, sequencing is not uh, the sequencing is uh, not uh, static. That it uh, actually makes uh, leaps. And changes. And it's because all the chromosomes are not activated. And so we have to ask what activates those chromosomes. And what allows, you know, there are millions upon millions of errors that take place every day in your body in this cell division. And sometimes those errors begin to repeat themselves and you have what they call cancer. And it kills you. And it gets into your blood. Well, Moses says the blood is the seed of the soul. And cancer is an identity disease. It's you don't know who you are. Your body... Because when, normally when those cells split and are destroyed by your, your own white blood cells, your own immune system, because when they split and they create errors, they don't look like you anymore. And your body recognizes that, and your body kills those cancer cells. But occasionally, your body doesn't recognize them as not you anymore. Your your immune system doesn't know who you are, and it allows those those systems to recreate. I, I the polio vaccine has been the cause of huge amounts of cancer in the world today. This is why we have cancer as such an epidemic, and, and we talked about it before how. You know, the statistics that come out, one in two men in Canada will get cancer. Why would that be? I, you think it would be, that's an unbelievable statistic. I just, we just shared an article uh, on the network about a fellow who was diagnosed with cancer and uh, his 60s and went back to his home country to die because it was cheaper to die in Greece which is you know he'd lived in America since World War II and uh, his wife was from America his children were all born here in America but he went his parents still lived back in Greece and he went back there and to die there because it was cheaper to die there than to die in America because of the expense of funerals and he thought he'd be buried in his home plot family plot but he didn't die he's 
well into his 90s. He, he actually he believes he's 102 years old, <laughs> and uh, he uh, didn't die. He kept on, and the cancer went away. He changed his lifestyle, and I tell you that if you change completely your lifestyle, don't just change your diet. Change your spiritual diet as well. That you will be less likely to have these illnesses, these identity crisis illnesses, where you are consumed by your own body. There, something activates the chromosomes in your DNA. So, and like we talked, everything is frequency. And we also talked about the fact that light wants to follow the pattern of DNA. Even when you remove the DNA from a, uh, the experiment where they're shining the light through a substance that had the DNA, the light wanted to follow the same pattern. As if the medium held the memory of that DNA. If if God could create such a system, such a complex system, and I, I could go on and on about how complex that system is, how things are turned on in the cells just by certain events and how cells communicate with other cells. There's in your body, these billions of cells, have they're all individuals working together and they create this living temple that you call your flesh and blood. And in that, your spirit lives and your spirit guides the recreation of yourself. As those cells, they believe that it takes like seven years for all the cells in your body to die and new ones to take their place. A process that's going on all the time. And in that process, errors are created. And I tell you that a lot of those errors are allowed to be created and sometimes not stopped because of the fact that in your spiritual life, you're also making errors. You're going the wrong way. That one of the things that if you turn around and start doing what God said. See, you're being recreated every day by the world around you. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Genesis 1.27 But you're being recreated by the society in which you live. By the people whom you surround yourself with, by the people you pray to and look to. And you're having an identity crisis because those people are not made in the image of God. They're not living according to the ways of God. And you're being recreated. And that is why you have a plague of cancer. Yes, it's connected to the food. Yes, it's connected to the environment. But if you want to change your food and change your environment, but you do not change your heart, then you're still destined for the same outcome. You must change your heart. And you can't do it yourself. You do it by facing the light and allowing the light to enter into you and follow the way in you that you were meant to be. And then you don't have that doubt as to who you are. And the white blood cells in your body will not have a doubt as to who you are. And you will be made again in the image of God. 
It's a process. That's why Christ starts with, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. He talks about, I am the light. I told somebody just the other day again, the most profound sermon given by Christ contained no or little knowledge. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Let the light in. Let the light of Christ in. You know, the world has its light. But its light is not the white light of Christ. It is not the perfect light of Christ. It is not God's creation. It is something less. And it will leave you empty somewhere. Boy, somewhere. When Adam committed his sin against God, did he take responsibility for it? Did he say, oh my God, I have sinned against you. Forgive me. Did he run to find God and fall down at God's feet and say, God, you walk in the garden, but I am a sinner. Forgive me. I have done what you said not to do. I have used knowledge to sustain me. I have eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I take full responsibility for what I did. Is that what Adam did? No. He said, the woman you gave me, gave me the fruit. It's not my fault. It is your fault. You knew when she gave it to you. You said, isn't this the fruit that we are forbidden to eat? But you ate it anyway. Every man does that. Women do that as well. They don't accept the responsibility for what they've done. They don't want to see their error. You cannot be that way. Or you will be remade in a new image. An image that's not you. You will set yourself up for destruction. You must be recreated in the image in which God has made you. And in order to do that, you must see the light. You must admit the error. Stop turning away from the light. Stop hiding in your religions. Stop hiding in your music. Stop hiding in your food. Stop hiding in your philosophies. And admit, you screwed up. You went the wrong way. You didn't forgive. You weren't giving. You were trying to decide for yourself what was right and wrong. And you create these philosophies and these religions and say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm a Jehovah Witness. I use this calendar. I follow this way. I say these words. And so, therefore, I am amongst the righteous. Bull. That's not true. That's witchcraft. You are only righteous if you are made in the image of God. And what is God? God is a giver of life. Are you a taker of life or a giver of life? If you're a taker of life, now you know what side of the tree you've been eating on. Turn around. Stop it. Start going the other way. God knows you're frail. God knows you're weak. God knows you will stumble. He will forgive that. Get back up and start heading back in the ways of God. Start dressing and keeping the garden immediately around you. Start seeking others who are doing the same thing. Why? So that they can help you? No. So that you can help them. You do not come back so that your father will take care of you. You come back to serve your father. 
You serve your father by taking care of one another. It's not about saving yourself. That's what got you into trouble. Why did Adam hide? He wanted to save his own pride. Forget about that. You're all naked in the eyes of the Lord. Repent. Turn around. Let's go the other way. Let's start creating a society with God's help that does not covet its neighbor's goods. That would rather give than receive. That would rather sacrifice themselves so that others may have life more abundant. And in doing so, they become like Christ and God can flow into them with His light. No shadows. It's not going to miss those, what is there, 64 chromosomes? According to some scientists, only about 20 of them are active in your body. What happened to the other? Oh, did I say 64? 46 chromosomes. That's my dyslexia showing up. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but why are only less than half of them are active? That's terrible. Why? It's because the light of God is not in you. Why is the light of God not in you? Because you're hiding from it. Genesis 9, 6 says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. What does that mean? It means if you covet your neighbor's goods, which are provided to your neighbor by his sweat, his blood, then your blood and sweat shall be shed too. You see, that's what's brought you into bondage. It isn't that you elected the wrong leaders. It's that you elected a leader at all. Anyway, we'll talk about that when we get back to Keys of the Kingdom. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www. Dot hisholychurch.net Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're still going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And we've talked uh, in the last show about a lot of things, and I was trying to remember a particular quote that a friend of mine who I knew since he was a small boy had uh, sent out on Facebook and it was uh, Proverbs uh, actually that wasn't his quote I was trying to remember what his quote oh, his experience has shown it was a Thomas Jefferson quote experience has shown that even under the best forms of government those entrusted with power have in time 
and by slow operation perverted it into tyranny. And that's what Thomas Jefferson said. And then, of course, I said, it is not the fault of those entrusted as much as it is the fault of those who trusted. Proverbs 12.24, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. And we talked in the last show about Samuel and the voice of the people who decided to elect a ruler like the other governments, like the Gentiles, like the other nations round about them. They wanted to elect someone who could rule and exercise authority. And they were warned against that, that he would take and take and take and take and take. And then you'd make his instruments of war and he'd get you involved in foreign wars and he would do all kinds of things. And then the day that you cry out, God wouldn't even hear you because you had done this wicked thing, which was called in that text a rejection of God. Just the election of a leader who could exercise authority was considered a rejection of God. And yet today you have churches demanding, oh, get out there and vote. I like the leader who can exercise authority and set things right. And that's what they did with Saul. And that's what they did with Absalom. And that's what they did with David. And that's what they did with Rehoboam. Until they finally cried out and they said, what is Rehoboam to us? And they tried to go back to their ancient ways. But everybody didn't go back. And they were divided now. It's, it's that simple. Divide and conquer. Get people thinking it's okay to take from your neighbor at the point of a gun in order to provide you with all those things you think you need. Once you've gone there, you're done. You've decided that you're going to decide for yourself. You have rejected God. Isn't that amazing? The voice of the people electing a leader was called a rejection of God. But today your churches tell you to go out and vote for somebody and elect a new leader. Why not repent, turn around? And, you know, I have a Facebook page and I very seldom go to it. And I neglect it terribly, but I've, I've, I'm busy elsewhere. We have a His Holy Church Facebook page, and articles go out on that. Uh, we, but really, we have the Living Network, where we're not dependent upon the Internet, or we're trying to get less and less dependent on it. And the more people we get into that Living Network, we, it is our hope someday that you can go from congregation to congregation, and you don't have to stop at the motel. You just stop at the congregation. <laughs> That's what the early church was doing. They couldn't get into the regular churches. They didn't have state ID. You had to have state ID to get around in the Roman Empire, you know. They called it a titleist. You had to show that. Christians had their own. You know what they called the Christian ID? It's actually in the Justinian Codes. It tells you in the Justinian Codes what Christian ID looked like. And not what it looked like, but what they called it. It was called Logos. <laughs> that's what it's called logos is the greek word for the word you had to show them that you had this document this logos from the church and that was your id and and justinian code said you had to accept that but today you have your id from the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other because you've been remade in a new image and that's the image of nimrod an image of Saul. The image of a way that was called a rejection of God in the Bible. And which Christ says it's not to be with you. And yet, in every single church, they say, you need something, go to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. They will take from your neighbor and provide you with benefits. That is the Corbin of the Pharisees. 
That is what they set up. And we go through this in our articles on baptism because in order to enter that system, you had to get baptized. In order to enter the system set up by Christ, you had to get baptized also. But the system set up by Christ was not a welfare that was a snare. It was a welfare based on the perfect law of liberty. You had a need, you went to church. But people were slothful in that and they set up these other systems. They entrusted their right to choose, their liberty, where Christ had made them free. They gave that right to choose to men who could exercise authority so that they could have guaranteed benefits. Why? Because they had no faith. They didn't believe that God would really provide for them through the love and goodwill of their brothers. They wanted to make their brothers provide for them. That's not the image of God. That's not the ways of God. And you have been brought under this strong delusion that that's okay. And it's not okay. And you have to repent. And there are layers and layers of that repentance. And if you turn around, God will take them away. As he took away the armies of the Pharaoh. They will drown in their own error. The flood is coming. Repent. Turn around. Seek the rock, the high ground of Christ. The ways of Christ. Don't make your churches a place where you go to be justified in your sin. Go there to seek a righteous way of caring for one another. That's what your churches are for. That's what your congregations are for. You can't get there by joining an email group. But if you join our groups, you can start to meet one another and form those congregations. And boy, I tell you, there's a lot of garbage out there who don't want to repent. They just want to be saved. That's okay. We can get through that garbage. If you seek righteousness, it will wash that garbage away. They will be too slothful to gather. They're just too busy doing their own thing. And that's what got Adam in trouble. He wanted to do his own thing. He didn't want to do God's thing. And what he learned, he learned so that he could justify not doing what God's thing was. And God will let you not do his thing. But not without consequences. So you have to repent. You have to turn around. You have to go this other way. You have to seek this way that Christ said for us to go. And if you don't, then the light will not be in you. And your chromosomes will get off kilter. And you will get cancer. And you will get sick. And you will get diseased. And you will die. Or maybe just a truck will hit you on the, when you're crossing the street. Because <laughs> you didn't look both ways. But we all face death. But if you... What is it? The coward dies a thousand deaths, a brave man only one? Well, we only need to face death once. We don't need to drag it around with us. 
So we need to repent. We need to turn around. We need to go the other way. And that's really what this show is all about. That's what these recordings are all about. That's what our website's about. That's what the Living Network is all about. It's about you being remade in the image of God because you turn around and go to the ways of God. They talk about, we talk about frequencies and light and, you know, bright light and not so bright light, which is what Satan offers you, which is a shadowed light, a dark light. It looks bright. It can look bright to those who live in darkness, but it's not the light of Christ. That's why your churches have a form of godliness. But they deny the real power thereof. Which the real power thereof is love. And love is sacrifice for one another. But they don't want to sacrifice for one another. Oh, they'll give so they can have their big fancy churches and feel like they're great people. But they won't actually take care of the welfare of their community. That's too much. Oh, that would be too expensive. We couldn't afford the building plan. We couldn't afford the big screen TV in the church. And, you know, the band needs to be paid. And, 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 <laughs> you've got to stop it. You've got to turn around. Stop making excuses. Don't say, oh, well, i got to go do this and i got to do that. we got to have this and we got to have that. Start your churches caring for one another. Start being the benefactors who don't exercise authority. You know, I have a hat I wore it at the uh, Burning Bush Festival, which we have every year around September. And it says FEMA on it. And somebody, you know, most of the people know what that stands for. <laughs> but we had some new people that came to the festival this year, and we hope to have a lot more that come next year. And we hope to have events on a regular basis as long as we can. But it's all in preparation of the big event coming up soon. But we don't want to scare you, so we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> but the uh, the point is, it says FEMA on my hat. HAC, His Holy Church, FEMA. But it stands for Faith Emergency Ministry Auxiliary. That's what the church was. The church took care of the needs of the people when there was calamity. Dirts in the land. Depressions. Failure of uh, food and money and crops. They took care of each other. Rome was finding it less and less of, uh, uh, within its means to do that. They were raising taxes, but there was so much corruption in government that, that the funds were just disappearing. They had these foreign wars in other places, so the funds just kept disappearing. There were kickbacks and graft and corruption. Thieves and robbers were stealing in the stealing of treasury. So where was the treasure of the kingdom? Oh, that's when you die? No, Christ said the kingdom's for the living. They were creating a network that was binding itself together not by religious philosophies or legal documents, but by faith, hope, and charity. They had to do this in small, intimate groups where the ministers formed their own groups and they did it also. And they formed this network that covered not only Judea, but Samaria, all the way to Rome and beyond Rome. By the time the apostles, you know, like Peter and Paul, got to Rome, there were already people there preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And some of those people were from as far away as Ireland and England. And this is all documented. 
You know, I, I recently I saw a post from somebody who was uh, on one of these other groups that was doubting that Christ ever existed. He says, there's very little evidence outside the Bible that Christ ever existed. Well, of course, the Bible is composed of lots of books that were few of the books that were written at that time about Christ. You know, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke and the Epistles. These are all different writings put together by Eusebius by the direction of Constantine to form your Bible. But there were a lot of other books that Christians were using. And, and we have lists of those books and we have some of those books. But these are the ones that they could fit into the Bible. And the Bible was pretty big, especially if you hand wrote it. So this is all they put into there. But that wasn't the Bible wasn't given to us by God. It was given to us by Eusebius, who was paid by Constantine to put down this, what he was going to put in the Bible. And it's great. It's a great gift anyway. God has provided that it has made it all the way to here. And the answers are in there. But you need divine revelation in order to read it and find out what it actually is saying. You can't figure it out by your tree of knowledge forever studying and never coming to the full understanding thereof. You find out because God reveals it. It's not flesh and blood. It's not your efforts that are going to reveal it to you. It's your submission to the Spirit of God. And then that light and understanding will come into you. And we talk about that and we hope that you see it. If you don't see it, well, I can't do anything about that. But there's the truth. But if you start to see it, it will change your frequency. It, scientists say that hate, anger, angry thoughts and hate lowers the frequency of the body and the cells in that body. And a lower frequency makes a, a longer arc. And is not going to be able to follow those sharp arcs of the DNA, which is looks like a sine wave, you know, actually a double sine wave. But love has a higher frequency, what we think of as love. But then now we have to define what is love. You know, my cat loves birds. It's not a high frequency. <laughs> love. It's a devouring love. It's a I love to eat them up love. <laughs> But the love we have is a, not a love of consuming. This is why, you know, we thought about it at the Burning Bush Festival and ended up getting that name, uh, kind of a takeoff on the Burning Man Festival. And so I thought about making a big, huge brush pile and we'd have a kind of a big bonfire, but we never did that. And I kind of am against the idea now because the Burning Bush of Moses' time was a flame, a light that does not consume. And... You know, burning man that consumes in the ways that you see often expressed there is consuming. I don't want to pick on that thing. I mean, it is what it is. But what the fire that we are burning is the love of Christ and the love for one another. And that does not consume. That is not the love that consumes like my cat loving birds. It is the love that gives life. And that is a different kind of love than we often see in the world today. It is not a lust love that brings two people together for what each of them can get out of the other one. <laughs> the comfort that you can bring me. I love you. <laughs> like my cat loves birds because it comforts her so to eat them. <laughs> and so the love that we have is not this consuming love. It's a life-giving love. And they both are called love. That's a, the amazing thing. But 
one is not the love that we're talking about. And it will not raise your frequency and it will not turn on your chromosomes and it will not remake you in the image of God. Because God's love is a life-giving love. In John 4, 6, we see, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Whereby know we are the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I believe that evil is the absence of good and darkness is the absence of light. This is why God called the light good. Because good shines against the darkness. The absence of good. That is what we are supposed to be doing. Neither Satan nor Lucifer is the name of the devil. It is a descriptive term. He is an adversary of the light. He brings his own light, which is less than the light of God. He has already divided the light and carries his own with him, but it's a dark light. Those are words describing the evil and the nature of evil. Are there evil spirits? You betcha. Who are they? Are they those who do not let the light in? Those who hide like Adam hid from the light of God? Are they those who do not want to see because they say they see and their sin remaineth? Oh, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. I have accepted Jesus on October 14, 1927. But you didn't accept Jesus. And Jesus talks about all those who say, yeah, we've done all these great things in your name. And he says, get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. I know you not. They thought they knew Jesus. They thought they believed in Jesus. And the Pharisees thought they knew Moses and thought they believed in Moses. But if they had really believed in Moses, they would have believed in Jesus. But they didn't even know Moses. Do you really know Jesus? Or do you know a false Jesus that has been painted and put, propped up and put up by a false church that has delivered you back into the bondage of Egypt where God said you were never ever to go and what Moses had led you out of and what Christ was leading the people out of at his time? Who will lead you out of it today? Because you're back in the same mess again today, electing a new Caesar every so many years in whatever country you're in. We're going to have a Caesar here. We're going to have a Caesar there. Oh, this Caesar's better than that Caesar. That Caesar's a bad Caesar. We want a good Caesar. You're hiding from the light of the fact that you're not supposed to have Caesar at all. The election of these rulers is a rejection of God. It was in the days of Samuel. It was in the days of Christ. And it is today. Do you want to decide which one is good and which one is evil? They are both evil. We even say it. The choice is between the devil and the deep blue sea. Why are you making the choice? It's like, I always thought it was funny when you know somebody is condemned to death. They say, do you want to be hung or shot? <laughs> How do you want to die? How about old age? <laughs> you are electing the gods of your world. We show you this. 
I mean, they tell you right on the U.S. government website that the painting in the Capitol Dome, which is called the Apotheos of Washington, Apotheos was the title given to Caesar Augustus, which said that he was a god. And that, the, the painting there, painted by Constantine Bermudi in the Capitol Dome of the United States, on the U.S. government website, says is this painting raises Washington to the rank of God. Unquote. And it does. Just like Augustus Caesar was raised to the rank of God because the Apotheos was the appointer of all the ruling judges throughout the empire to decide imperial matters the same as your president is choosing all the federal judges throughout your empire that decide federal matters. The parallels are uncanny. Go read Rome versus us. Now, I'm not condemning people for this. It was a strong delusion and everybody would be deceived except by the grace of God. Now the question is, do you want to live by that deception or do you want to live by righteousness? Do you want to turn around and start seeking the kingdom of heaven? Is there an evil spirit that could be identified as Satan or the adversary of God? You betcha. Is he from hell or one of those parallel dimensions that we hear these atheist scientists talking about in their string theory, which is relatively true. It's relatively accurate. There is a parallel dimension. One of them is hell, one of them is here, and one of them is heaven. And there's actually, in my father's house, there are many mansions. What room do you want to live in? I want to live in the room where Christ is. In order to do that, I have to be like Christ. And I'm not like Christ by nature. I have to be remade. And that's what you have to be, is remade in the image of Christ. Can you do that? Can we call this evil spirit the devil? You betcha. It's a free country. You can call him anything you want. Is he responsible for what has gone sour in the world today? No. You are. Not only because you listened to him and followed his ways, but because you hid from the truth of that. And you tried to justify yourself. You need to see yourself, that you've been a part of it, that you've been deceived, and that your parents were deceived, and your grandfather was deceived. And you've been going this way for a long time now. And the whole world is followed after this way. Because as America goes, the whole world goes. Well, it's time for America to repent. Really repent. Not elect a new Caesar, but actually say, move in a direction where you can say, there is another king. One Jesus. And start doing contrary. Don't disobey the law. Start doing contrary. Stop applying and praying to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. That means you have to homeschool, home health care. You have to be able to go to church and say, I need help. And I'm praying to God that He helps me. And I'm hoping that you are servants of God and you will help me. But I will only hope for that. I will not make you help me. 
And if you don't help me, I forgive you. But I need help. I have screwed up. I have failed. I have stumbled. Whatever it is. And they will be there for you if you are there for them. You go to church not for... You don't go when you need help. You go because somebody else might be there and they might need help and you get to help them and you are thankful for the opportunity of helping and that is called thanksgiving and that is what the Eucharist of Christ is all about. Is that what you're about? Or do you just want to be saved? Or do you want to save others? Do you want to help others? Do you want to live and give your life for others? Knowing, yes, if you do, you'll have life more abundant. But instead of casting good bread upon the waters in hopes that someday it may come back to you, many of you are casting stale bread upon the waters. You are trickling your contributions to your congregation. You're not building up your congregations. you got a congregation of two or three families. Why don't you have a congregation of ten? Why aren't you figuring out some way of beating the brush out there to build those congregations up to ten and then build them up to twenty so that you can have your DNA split and create two congregations? Because that's the way the early church was. Congregations of ten families. And a minister, that's eleven. And then his minister, that's twelve. A pattern repeated for centuries before Christ and for centuries after Christ. But now you have churches that resemble Constantine's church. And we tell about the story of Constantine. I don't know if we'll get into that now. We'll keep on going with this until the break. Uh, I believe we are responsible for a lot of the things that have gone sour in the world today because we have rejected God, just like the voice of the people rejected God in the days of Samuel. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and they which worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Someone wrote me and said that oh, we are all spiritual. <laughs> the devil is spiritual. It's just a different spirit. Yeah, we're all spiritual, but we are not all the spirit of God. Many of us are a spirit far less than God, and we will divine different results because of that. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. He is not none of his. He is not a part of Christ. What is the Spirit of Christ? Are you going to church to sacrifice yourself for others? Or are you going to church to feel good? I hear that so many times. People say, I like to go to that church. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> what the heck is that? Uh, let's, let's go put it in the real words. What the hell is that? That is hell. That's, that's what got us into trouble. Eat this. Feels good. Do it. Is it good? Is it righteous? Is it doing what the early church did? You, you, When your widows and orphans need help, where do they go? Do they go get most of their sustenance from the church? All of their sustenance from the church? Or do they go to those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other? Those that Christ said we were not to be like. 
figure it out, folks. We got a lot of repenting to do. We got a lot of work to do. You come to our church, you better come with your sleeves rolled up. Because we got work to do. Because we have gone a long way in the wrong way. And we have to come out of the darkness. And we'll tell you more about how to do that when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about the Kingdom of God and we were talking about light and darkness and how the light can begin to change you if it is the light of Christ. But if it's the light of the world and meaning a different world, now we're talking about the constitutional orders or systems of governments or the light of Satan, the adversary of Christ, the one who wants to rule over you rather than allow you to be ruled by God who wants to trick you with deception, who wants you to decide things uh, based on your own knowledge, uh, that's a different light. And that's going to create a different result. And that result is not in the image of God. And therefore, you will be conflicted in your being and you will suffer the evidence of that. You know, besides cancer, autoimmune disease is one of the most common problems today. And we say, well, what can we do about that? Well, it's all about forgiveness. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father forgive you. Now, there are real diseases that cause these things. Real physical realities that take place in your body. But your body should be able to, as McCormick says, you don't have static DNA. You have DNA that can be reactivated and re-identify itself and you can be born again and begin to heal and change in your body immediately. And I'm not saying that uh, you, your afflictions is the result of a particular sin. It's sin in general. But if you return to the ways of forgiveness and forgive those who have betrayed you and cheated you and abandoned you and injured you, then the light can enter into you and you can be healed again. Otherwise, it may get worse. And those that have cheated you and abandoned you and lied to you, they have a responsibility too. They have to take the nails of your affliction. I knew a guy <clears throat> who got married to a woman just absolutely suddenly and I, I could see it as a disaster coming but he married her and and it was a disaster and soon she was abandoning him and took his unborn daughter with her and he hasn't really seen the child grow up at all since then and he had an opportunity uh in the courts to make a choice in which case he could have suffered greatly and he cho chose not to s take that chance of suffering and I told them before we entered into these negotiations with her lawyer that you have to be ready to be nailed to the cross and love 
in spite of the fact that she is going to try to nail you to the cross. And when you do that, then Christ will be in what you do and you will be blessed. And I stood there and watched him as he was given this option of making one simple little choice. And I won't go into all the details. You might figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> and he did not make that choice. And uh, and I put my head down. I knew that as soon as he didn't make that choice, that this drama between him and her, which is probably meant to be, was going to continue much longer before either one of them came to repentance. And I have seen her. I've seen the daughter. I've seen the husband. And they don't see each other, but I've seen them all. And the daughter is in the midst of that. And will remain in the midst of that. And he's missing other opportunities as well because he can't forgive. He's having trouble forgiving her. And of course, she is the way she is because she can't forgive those who molested her when she was 14 years old. And and when she was 17 years old, <laughs> she ran off and got married. And eventually her husband was uh, died, but not after what... You know, actually, a, a fairly famous murder event took place. I won't get into the details of that either, but... Uh, uh, her husband was a terrible thief, robbed millions and millions of dollars from people to uh, his, uh, oh, I won't say exactly how he did it, but it was through deception. You know, um, I was looking today, uh, you know, I always love to, being a student of history, I look at uh, this day in history, and I won't tell you what day it is, but if you go back in time, uh, on you know, this day in history, uh, two Quakers who had come from England in uh, 1656 to escape religious persecution was executed by the Massachusetts Bay Colony. <clears throat> they were executed by that colony for their religious beliefs. This was in uh, back in 1659. And so the very, you know, Everybody escaping religious persecution, but then they themselves persecuted people based on their religious beliefs. And, you know, it was like, uh, it reminds me of, uh, in my stream of consciousness here, it reminds me of when uh, uh, the uh, Pasha or whatever he is in uh, Iran was overthrown. And the new Khomeini was taking over and uh, changing that government. And they complained about the fact that, you know, the government that had been propped up by the American government there had uh, torturers in their prisons. And uh, their complaint really wasn't that he tortured, is that they, they didn't hold the torture sticks. So, now, new groups were now holding the torture sticks. In, in many cases, the same policemen were still there. <laughs> but a new group was now holding the torture stick. And a new group was now going to be persecuted. You see, because they didn't change in their spirits. The same spirit still dwelt there and lived there. They just changed roles. You know? Like the old movie Bananas, I think it was, where... Was it... You know, now you're 
no, well, I guess it wasn't in that movie, but the, there's an old joke uh, about, you know, the good news and bad news for the soldiers. The good news is we're all going to get to change, get a change of underwear. The bad news is you change with him and you change with him <laughs> kind of thing. They, <clears throat> they're not really solving the problem because they're not changing in themselves. They're just, you know, and that's what you're doing with your elections. You're not changing anything. The problem isn't that you have this leader instead of that leader. The problem is that you have empowered a leader at all. If you want to be empowered, you must empower, begin to empower yourself by taking back your responsibilities. This is what the church was all about. It was about empowering you in your local congregation. If your local congregation was going to stand or fall, it was going to stand or fall because you got together. You took the time to find other men of like mind who cared about you as much as you cared about yourself. And if you do that, you will automatically not care about yourself more than the other people. But again, people are constantly coming to congregations and churches for what they can get out of it instead of what they can give to it. Now, I know there are givers out there in America. They are rare. I mean, real givers. Those who would lay down their lives. And we, this is why wars are created. So that those who would lay down their life for their fellow man are killed off on both sides. Because the more of those you kill, the less of those you have around, and the less likely you'll be challenged by a real force and power, the power of love. So they create wars to kill off men who love their brothers and will die for their brothers and will sacrifice. It's a false patriotism. We want to talk about patriotism. Why did Jesus say, call no man potter, but my potter in heaven? Because the government was called potter. Your senators were potter. Your emperor was our father who art in Rome. And today your father is in wherever, Sydney or Washington, D.C. or Ontario or wherever it is, wherever your capital is. That's your father. That's your daddy. That's the guy who's going to take care of you. That's the guy you're going to pray to when you need help. Even though Christ said it's not to be that way with you. You need to turn around. You need to go another way. You know, in, in 1787, on this day, the first Federalist Papers series of essays calling for the ratification of the Constitution of the United States of America was published. And they actually, you know, were kind of secret about preparing to make that publish publishment. But there was another group that began to publish papers not long afterwards called the Anti-Federalist Papers. Did you know that the vast majority of Americans at the time of 1787 and 1789 were in opposition to the Constitution of the United States. They didn't want the Constitution. Men spoke against it. Able men. Patrick Henry spoke against it. This document was written as if good men will take office. When bad men take office, they will steal your rights through ambuscade. Read our articles and a series of articles. Listen to the audios of contracts, covenants, and constitutions. The Constitution is not your salvation. 
electing this president or that president or this prime minister or that prime minister is not your salvation. It's repenting and going a completely different direction. An absolutely opposing different direction. Now, we don't want to get rid of the governments of the world. They will fall of their own accord eventually. They will fail. And Jesus says you should be friends with the unrighteous mammon. This unrighteous trust. Mammon means trust. Entrusted wealth. Going back to that original quote that I was talking about of my friend on Facebook who, uh, you know, wrote the, his uh, little Thomas Jefferson quote talking about whenever you entrust men with power, they eventually will be corrupted. And they will be. And we need to realize that. Experience has shown, he says, that even under the best forms of government, which, you know, we show you in Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions that there were five precepts that the Bible tells you to put down in writing if you decide to elect a leader who can exercise authority. One of them shows up in the Constitution. One of five. Four are missing. The one that shows up is that he's not to be a foreigner. He has to be born of your nation. So much for the Constitution. It it has some good points, but it has some major flaws. And if you read the Anti-Federalist Papers or read the Contracts, Covenants, and Constitution, you will see them in relationship to Christianity. Where, what those flaws are. You could guard against those flaws, but you know the Constitution that was created back then and your relationship to it has completely morphed over the last two centuries. You're not the same as they were back then. And of course, that's exactly what Patrick Henry was predicting. So that isn't your salvation. That's the point. I'm not, I don't want it to go away because it's there to punish the wicked. <coughs> Excuse me. It's there to punish the wicked. And there are many wicked out there. So there's a lot of people to punish. And they are being punished every day. <laughs> And they are crying out, Stop punishing us! God, our governments are punishing us! Well, how about this? Stop being the wicked. <laughs> That's the problem. You're the wicked. You're supposed to be punished. The slothful should be under tribute. That's what Proverbs says. Only the diligent should bear rule. You don't deserve your rights. Because you're the wicked. You, because you haven't been diligent in your responsibilities. You aren't taking care of the needy of your society, unspotted from the world in pure religion. That's what pure religion is. You're taking care of the needy by men who exercise authority one over the other. How much of an adversary do you think you are? You're an adversary of Christ. You're a slothful, non-diligent, non-seeking, non-striving, non-Eucharist Christian, which makes you not a Christian at all, because you don't, you aren't doing what Christ said. Not those who say, Lord, Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe, but those who do it the will of the Father. It is not the will of the Father that you force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. And so you need to repent. Okay, so how do you do that? Well, 
you know, we're going to have programs on the guidelines. We already have those recordings on the, the website of how the church was organized. Because they were referred to as a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire. An ever-increasing state. And they were praised for the union and discipline. But where was the union and discipline? Did they have leaders who could exercise authority? One over the other? No. They were personally self-disciplined to do what was right. So as I said in Genesis 3, let's go back there. And God said, let there be light and there was light. And that's what we say. Let there be light in, in your understanding. And then there will be light in your understanding. But if you say you already see and there's nothing we can tell you and, and there's nothing you can learn and nothing you can be shown, well then you your sin remains. And you will remain in darkness. And you will not turn around. You will not head towards the kingdom. In Matthew 4.16 it says, The people which sat in darkness saw great light and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Genesis 4. And God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Hate divides you. Christ says, I come to bring a sword. His sword will divide the light from the darkness. If your churches will not repent, form other congregations. Go to other churches that will repent. And that's what we're calling for, those who will repent and go the other way. Homeschooling is hard sometimes. If you're a single parent, it's almost impossible. But it's not impossible if you're a congregation of believers. Turn around. Come together. Start being the government of God. Start taking care of one another. And the beauty of this is you don't have to do it all at once. Just start. Proverbs fifteen seventeen. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. You are a stalled ox in your churches. You are spiritually constipated. You are plugged up because you will not give and let go. It's not coming out with a drought because you will not repent and turn around and go the other way. You need an enema of righteousness to get your system back on track. Song of Solomon. First chapter, second verse. Let him kiss me with a the kisses of his mouth for his, thy love is better than wine. His love is a love of sacrifice. Not a love. He is giving. Not taking in his love. You must be the same. The Song of Solomon. Set me as a seal upon thine heart. As a seal upon thine arms. That's what you do things with. Not just wave them over your head, folks. You actually have to be doing things. For love is strong as death. You want to be an overcomer? you got to start giving up your life today. And loving one another. Helping one another so they don't have to go to public school. They don't have to go to public health care. You, you can create your own volunteer fire department on your block where you live. 
You need to become the emergency, the faith emergency ministry auxiliary for your community. And start setting the example of Christ. Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. Sloth is the way of death. The coal thereof are coals of fire which hath a most vehement flame. Talking about the love of Christ. If you love your enemy, it will be like hot coals heaped upon his head. But it has to be that real love. Not the mamby-pamby love. Real active, sleeve-rolled-up love. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Does not covet his neighbor's goods. Doesn't send men to his neighbor's house to take his house away if he doesn't pay for your child's education. That's not love. That's the system you created for yourselves. And you thought it was good because you've been eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And deception has been afoot in your lessons. Learn real love. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What law? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And that knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of the sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You say you believe in Christ. Now you have to believe an active belief. Awaken. Romans thirteen, eleven. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Put Ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Once you understand that Christianity was the social welfare system of the faithful, that they went to church to help one another, that the Eucharist of Christ was the thankfulness for the opportunity to give and help your brothers out, now, you cannot say that Paul did not preach the gospel. Because this is what he's talking about. This is why he said, what agreements do you have with unbelievers? Who are unbelievers? Those who believe that it's okay to pray to benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. Those are the unbelievers and those are the ones you're contracting to for your benefits. You should be the church that is the benefactor, the non-coercive church, that is providing the Corbin of Christ through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. What do you think Paul was talking about? I could go on all day about people who misunderstand Paul. And Peter told you he's going to talk about things that are hard to understand. He knew he was this guy to bring this extra message. And you're not going to get it all in one program here, in one recording. Keep looking. Keep the faith. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God, and is remade in the image of God instead of the image of the world, which brings death. 
He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. What love? Is it the love of taking life or giving life? Which love do you have? Which love are you practicing? Which love are you being a part of? He that loveth not knoweth not God. That is important to understand. And what love is it? It's not, oh, geez, I love you from my pew. It's real love, active love. If God just sat up there and loved, He would not have moved and formed the world and formed your life and breathed life into you. Are you breathing life into your neighbor? Are you breathing self-righteousness into your own heart? It's going to reap you confusion and death. I warn you, in this was manifest the love of God towards us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a portion of our sins. We need to do the same for our brothers. Until we meet again, may peace be upon your house. Seek ye the kingdom. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.